Hey, hello, it's Virgi and Vio, and today we're here for our fourth episode in which we're going to try to answer one of the questions I have been asking myself for the past years, which is, that, what does the UN do? Um, I mean, we hear a lot about uh, how great they are and how many initiatives um, in terms of sustainability they are doing, but I feel like I can never grasp what they do in practice. Like, I've never seen the effect of a project uh, in which the UN was involved. And that's why today we asked Martina Pluviano to join us. Martina is a former intern at the United Nations Environment Program, the UNEP, and she will give us a bit of an insight in what the Eco Innovation Tool is and in general on how international organizations work. Yes, so thanks for joining, Martina. Hi, guys, thank you so much for the invitation. So glad to be here. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. So to kick off, could you maybe give us a bit of an overview of where you've worked and why are you talking to us? Of course. So um, first of all, um, I was an intern at uh, UNEP, which is the United Nations Environment Program, um, for six months. And UNEP is actually the global authority for the environment. It's got a big mandate within UN agencies, and I was very glad to be given this opportunity to work there. It was quite quite nice. Um, I learned a lot and I was really glad to have the opportunity to work there and actually see how it functions um, Mm -hmm. from within it a bit. (laughs) So So coming from an insider's perspective, could you maybe guide us through a little bit into this maze? Yeah, so, well, I'm going to speak a bit about UNEP since it's the only organization where I've worked in um, in terms of the UN. So basically, UNEP is divided in many divisions. Um, I was working in a specific division that is the economy division, which um, provides solutions for economic decision makers and focuses more on the economy side of things. Um, in particular, I was working in the consumption and production unit, which is based in Paris, um, but the headquarters of UNEP are actually in Nairobi, in Kenya. Um, so yeah, it, this is kind of how the organization is organized. So it's divided into many divisions that each have different mandates. Um, and I was working in a very interesting team that is called the Innovation team. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted to tell you more about today. Mm-hmm. And I would say, what's the Innovation team? What was the focus? <laughs> Uh, that's a very good question that I get many times. So the Innovation team works um, in the Innovation methodology, which is basically a methodology developed by UNEP um, that then became a manual um, that is made to support small and medium-sized enterprises. So enterprises that have, that have until uh, 250 employees yeah, mm-hmm. across regions. Um, and they try to help them develop a business model that incorporates sustainability throughout all business operations. It's also a methodology that is based on life cycle thinking and also in trying to cooperate with all partners of these enterprises across their value chain. So it's -hmm. it's a manual in uh, very few words that tries to make um, business models into innovative, sustainable business models. Mm-hmm. So just to, to clarify, it's, um, it's a way to change business models which already exist, to make them more sustainable? 
Exactly. Yeah, that's okay. that's what it is. So it's a tool that incorporates uh, business tools and also more technical tools. That's why mm -hmm. I also mentioned life cycle thinking that it's more uh, on the technical side of things. And mm -hmm. it um, helps uh, this small and medium sized enterprises to make a coordinated set of modifications to their either products or services, uh, to their processes, to their market approach, and also to their entire, let's say, organizational structure. Um, so it's quite a comprehensive and big manual <laughs> that mm -hmm. has many steps um, until the implementation. And do you have an example, uh, if you can, of course, because we don't know what you can disclose, but or you can maybe make it make it up. Um, an example about um, a business model which was changed. So what was the business model you worked with and how you changed it? Yeah, I have many examples, actually, but uh, I like to use one that was quite um, interesting, at least for me. It was the first one I was de dealing with. Uh, it was this uh, small enterprise um, from Kenya um, mm -hmm. that was a textile enterprise. So they were making um, clothes and garments. Um, and by implementing Econovation, so they, I mean, we did a market assessment and then they went through all the specific steps according to the manual. They were able to realize that actually uh, they would be much more sustainable and even more profitable if they changed completely their business model and not sold their clothes anymore, but they actually decided to start renting the clothes. So um, I like to use the example because it's quite a, a good example as to why Econovation has the innovation name inside it mm. as a concept, because it really does mean that it is not about resource efficiency or any specific change within a company's um, structure. It's more changing the way you see your company and you see yourself within uh, your value chain um, and even looking at stakeholders and, well, your entire environment as a, as a company. So it's, it's quite a drastic change, let's say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Um, just to recap a bit, um, your role as eco-innovation team is to support companies, small uh, or medium enterprises in the transition from their uh, business as usual to a more sustainable kind of framework, correct? While maintaining, yeah, while maintaining profits, no? I guess this is also to make sure they're still competitive. Yeah, that's for sure. So exactly the role of the eco-innovation team is to handle this manual, so to, to become experts about this manual, because mm -hmm. I, I, I want to say that it's a very big manual, so in the yeah. beginning I was quite, <laughs> it was quite um, shocked uh, about the size and all the different steps. So the role of the Econovation team is to provide training um, to those um, companies and to help them in the implementation process. So, and also, of course, I mean, there are many benefits. I actually could list some now. So first of all, um, Econovation can help SMEs to access new and expanding markets. It also, of course, increases, helps them increase productivity. It can help them attract new investment into the business. So, by, of course, we know now that by becoming mm -hmm. more, more sustainable, many companies uh, have decided to either really become more sustainable or to greenwash themselves into um, seeming more sustainable. Mm -hmm. But that's, well, that's a benefit. If you actually do it, it's even better. Um, then it can also help companies to increase profitability across the value chain and help them stay ahead of regulations and standards, um, mm -hmm. mainly those, of course, related to the environment. 
sounds like a journey not only small medium enterprises should embark but all kind of businesses across sectors right um so maybe why the focus on small medium enterprises there are many reasons for that that was also my main question in the beginning because coming from um a background in which i didn't study a lot about um, environmental standards and uh, i actually have a background in economics pure economics which uh didn't teach me much i was wondering why no what <laughs> don't tell your lecturers at bocconi man. <laughs> exactly uh, i came directly from bocconi um so then i was wondering the same thing and eventually i started uh, understanding that uh, smes make much more sense when you're trying to apply something as drastic as innovation in the sense that it's really mm -hmm. something that will completely change your, your business model. So first of all, they are more flexible because mm -hmm. they're smaller and many times they're um, starting their business. Um, I mean, it's difficult to find uh, a small and medium sized enterprise that has been there for a long, long time. They do exist, but at least the ones that I worked with, they actually have started uh, quite recently or maybe in the last 10 years or so. So they're still quite flexible. They're able to open their, their mindsets and also change their business model in an easier manner. Also, um, they actually represent a very large share of the GDP of most countries. And that's quite outstanding. Mm -hmm. So especially among developing economies. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say building on that, especially in developing countries, it's mostly small, medium enterprises that are kind of setting off the path for sustainable development in general. Yeah, so, I was wondering though, just because I don't know if we mentioned before, maybe we did, but I don't remember. Um, the, does eco-innovation, the eco-innovation team has a regional focus or do you, um, like any, any small medium enterprise can uh, take advantage of it? Well, um, it's designed to focus on small and medium sized enterprises in every region, but it okay. ends up Of course, the UN um, is um, an organization on which mission includes the reduction of po poverty and um, development mm -hmm. policy in general. So the focus is of their projects is mostly in developing economies. Um, therefore, all products developed have a specific approach um, that, I mean, well, they do focus more on developing economies than in, on the developed okay. world, of course. But no, I mean, the tool could be applied to any SME in, in, in every country, actually. Um, I was wondering, like, this question just popped up in my head right now. Um, out of curiosity, have you had um, cases both in developed and developing countries? And if so, um, what are the biggest challenges or differences you notice between the two, if there have been any, I mean? I haven't, um, unfortunately, haven't been that lucky to have this vast um, experience. I mean, I, I, I only um, managed two different projects that were focusing specifically on developing countries and in specific in three countries. So um, no, actually, I was only working in countries with developing economies. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't say, unfortunately, but um, that's a very good question. I would love to have the comparison and to see what are the challenges. I'm sure, I mean, um, if I think now, um, it must be much um easier it is much easier to convince uh, an SME in a developing country uh to hmm. yeah that, I mean itself. that's why I was asking as well because I, I started thinking about the answer myself I was like ah is it going to be harder or easier in developing countries 
And in some way, I think it might be easier because they are still developing the structures much more agile that, for example, in already established and structured uh, environments such as the EU. Um, moving on to like another question that we were urgent to ask you. <laughs> we couldn't wait because me and Viola are a bit like geeks of like, uh, <laughs> like of standards, everything. frameworks yeah. and like uh, everything related to sustainability tools. And uh, we wanted to ask you because it's, it's really interesting to see how um, the UNIP was able to develop a tool which is able to guide small medium enterprises towards the implementation of sustainability strategy in a sense, right, for the long term. And we were wondering, like, in compared to other frameworks and tools already existing, how do you think the Eco-Innovation um, project differs? Well, that's a very good question. Yeah, there are so many tools uh, nowadays, and I'm sure there are going to be so many more. I would say that one difference is that it is not only a business tool, but it incorporates, as I said before, technical tools as well. So for instance, Econovation, um, as I mentioned before, incorporates life cycle thinking. Thinking from a life cycle perspective means considering all phases of a product's life cycle. So Econovation is not about resource efficiency or about making a specific change. So looking at your production process and saying, well, let's maybe insert solar panels here because uh, that's the way to go. Or the irrigation system of my um, agricultural company is uh, using too much water. So let's address that. It is actually looking at all the phases of the product life cycle. So you have this comprehensive assessment of your business, of your stakeholders, so your suppliers as well, um, in which you look at your life cycle from the extraction of the raw materials all through the material processing manufacturing the distribution the use um, the repair and then the disposal and reuse so it also looks at the consumption side in a way because you also consider how you can help the consumer at the after i mean to avoid the disposal phase to not dispose of the product you're producing, but to reuse it or repair it. or um, So I, I, I would say it's it's a tool that it's, it's very, very, it looks at your business model in a very broad way and it considers all the life cycle um, steps um, mm -hmm. of your production process. And that's why I think it's a very unique tool. Yeah. And if you, as you said before, it's like um, a manual, no, that you use to apply that you apply to business models. Um, yeah. So how does this differ from like a consultancy service that a consultancy agency may give to their clients? Apart from the fact that, of course, I guess uh, SME don't pay you. Um, other than that, what do you think is the main difference? Other than well, this technical I, aspect, which you just explained? Well, I would say that, um, first of all, as, is, as it is, um, a tool developed by UNAM, so by the UN, it has mm -hmm. different values. I mean, I've never worked in the private sector, but I do know that uh, profitability and, um, I mean, yeah, the profit is, is the main thing when you speak about the consulting firm. Mm -hmm. So they try to make um, tools that will essentially, even if they do focus on sustainability, they will try to make you more sustainable, but considering the profit the profit side of things right mm -hmm. and that's my understanding of it and i'm not sure if that's right i've never worked in a consulting firm in a private and strategic management mm -hmm. consulting firm but that's that's 
how I think business as usual is done, whereas eco-innovation has also considers all dimensions of sustainability and it really do, does. So it looks at the social side, at the economic side, so at the profit, of course, but it, and, and at the environmental side as well. So I, I would say it's just more, um, it has more values within it. It's, it's more, up, I don't know, the proximity as well that you have with the client is different. Mm-hmm. Um, as you has said before, it's um, the SMEs are not paying for the service and, and that's a good point to explain the approach that UNEP takes as well in the trainings and in helping them to implement it. So they really do care. The people mm-hmm. that work in that team, they really do care um, about the companies at, that they are meeting, the people there and, and how to even, um, I have a good example. So for instance, it's quite difficult in some countries to change corporate culture. Mm-hmm. So when you're implementing um, eco-innovation, sometimes that might be resistance. So for instance, I don't know, I was eva- I was evaluating this case of um of a company in Georgia that produces produced almonds, yeah, and they some of the people within the team they were very reluctant um, about the team. I mean the the employees of the company they were very reluctant about eco innovation because they were saying, well, we've done these things this way for many years. It's our tradition, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and the approach you take with those people, it needs to be human. It needs to be trying to really make sure they understand the benefits that they will have and uh, and having respect. So that's mm-hmm. also a core point. And again, I'm not saying the private sector doesn't have that, but it's just, I would say it's a different focus and it's a different objective. Mm-hmm. As, and know. also, I guess, uh, the SME you're targeting since it's developing countries they wouldn't be they wouldn't have access to what a consultancy firm would offer them because uh, Martina in your opinion like what are the main challenges because there must be some challenges it can't be yeah th- there must be something wrong or th- <laughs> there could be better at least I mean we are be critical after all right yeah <laughs> say um, there are many many challenges and many things that um, could be improved as in other tools I'm sure um, I would say that um, the most obvious one that comes to mind um, is the one that presents itself in the implementation phase of eco-innovation. So there are many phases and the last one is, of course, implementation um, of what the findings were. Uh, Wait, so hang on a moment, Marti. Can we take a step back? What do you mean for implementation? So um, how, how, does it, how does it all work? Well, eco-innovation has a few phases um, and it works in terms of making an assessment of your company and then moving forward to building a roadmap and to then, uh, with the roadmap that you have built, start implementing the suggestions that have been made, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you first identify the environmental and uh, hotspots. So we call them environmental hotspots. Mm-hmm. The, but I would say in an easier language, they're just the most uh, vivid um, environmental impacts along your uh, value chain and your life cycle of your mm-hmm. product. And then when you identify those, you come up with solutions and, and actions and recommendations that should be implemented. Um, and that's all in the format of a record. So we give back to them this record that they, of course, are building up with us as the app. <clears throat> and, um, and then they have this really nice record with many recommendations, an entire assessment of their business models <clears throat> that they should implement, right? 
And at that point, the big question is, um, how do they do that? So in some cases, it is easy because as I as the example that I used before of the company that um, decided to rent their clothes instead of selling them anymore, um, I wouldn't say it's an easy fix, but it's a fix that doesn't require an initial investment, mm-hmm. um, a significant investment. So it is easy and they can do it uh, themselves without having to ask for financial aid and um, and loans and stuff like that. But in many cases, the actions require do require some uh, financing mechanism that will help them. So of course, UNEP is offering the the training and, and the method and the manual, but it doesn't offer financing as well. Um, and that in some cases can be something that uh, blocks the, the entire process. So that is a big ch- challenge that I, I feel like in the future should be and will be addressed for sure. And like what comes to my mind when you say this is like, um, why not just maybe redirecting this SME towards some type of grants which they could have access to? Uh, couldn't that be a solution or is that any conflict? for you as being UNEP? Well, uh, I'm sure I'm sure um, UNEP could make suggestions of um, low interest, you know, uh, loans or financial mechanisms that are accessible to them. Mm-hmm. And that has been done. And I can already say that that has been done for in, when, when I was there. So that's been happening. But they cannot make direct uh, suggestions in terms of partnering with private sector uh, financial mm-hmm. um, organizations that that can happen. Um, so, um, it's quite tricky in yeah. the sense that you can help them, you can make suggestions, you can try to guide them through, you know, the mm-hmm. funding mechanism one or two, but, um, they are the ones that then have to access that and have to, you know, apply to that, to that benefit and not us. Right. Yeah. So like if, if you would put it like in simple terms, it's like teaching someone how to ride a bike without giving them a bike, right? So they have all these tools, they perfectly know how to use them, they're ready to implement them, but then they don't have the funds or actual financial means to to kick off the project. Yeah, sometimes it's it's quite tricky, but yeah, I think you got the the picture. And I mean, coming from an international organization, you have so many uh, direct, I mean, conflicts of interest with third parties. And it, it's very, your your reputation is also based on the kind of projects and organization you, you decide to work with. So I guess that, that the UN as well as the, as the UNEP really tend to be very wary and careful to yeah. whom they kind of partner up or decide to... Um, yeah, and also I think it, it, it always comes down to we need to make a choice. So of course... Uh, about integrity, but also, I guess, if they were to offer eco-innovation bonded to a grant, uh, that would mean they could help way less SMEs because, of course, budget is limited. Um, So I guess it's always about making a choice. And I guess for eco-innovation, in this case, it was let's try to give them the tool, at least not the bike, but like how to ride a bike so that they, then they can maybe get access to funds and implement that. Yes, exactly. But do it with as many SMEs as possible rather than just focusing on some and then giving them the money. Yes. But Marty, please tell us something because this is just Virgin <laughs> I <laughs> speculating. Speculating, yeah. No, I, I think you actually got it quite right. So uh, it is it is a kind of um, teaching you how to ride a bike and then 
once you can uh, write it, then you're free to write it yourself. Uh, but while I, I still do think that uh, we need to consider that um, there might be a way in the future that a UNEP could um, be more helpful in terms of helping them to implement innovation mm-hmm. um, and uh, find financial mechanisms. But right now, um, the only way uh, they're able to do it is through, you know, suggestions. Mm-hmm. And it's already a lot, you know, it's a lot of training. So um, there are many, many modules to train them on innovation. So it's a service that requires uh, personnel, time and uh, full dedication. So I already feel that UNEP is doing mm-hmm. a lot. So, so well, there is the, we have the methodology, yeah. we have the toolkit, but we still need a bit more as always room for improvement and room to be critical. I guess it's it's the perfect way yeah. to end this fourth episode. Marti, thank you so much for joining us. Really, we can't thank you enough and for sharing your experience at UNEP and for giving us so many like insights into yeah. a world which is... Yeah, and I think is... also to show oh. us something which is really not accessible usually. Yeah. At least for me, it's overwhelming when I see all the programs of the UN slash of UNEP and it's always like, I'm never going to understand this because I'm not inside. But then hearing it from you it's actually so simple and it seems so useful which um, it's really great I think yes it's thank good, you so much Marti. for the event. <laughs> so much for the opportunity it was uh, a very very good discussion thanks thank you ciao ciao ciao, ciao.